It takes more than memorizing the order of the Crontab fields to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 194. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers, and we occasionally dabble in cron jobs. I just put one for all of them. That seems to do the trick. <laughs> the first minute of the first day of the first year. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what it does, <laughs> except works. <laughs> If in doubt, just put stars for everything. There are two values of crontab fields. It's star or zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything else? Mysterious magic. Yeah. <laughs> Start putting slashes in there. Woo. <laughs> what sorcery is this? Slashes <laughs> in my cron? In my zero or star field? What? <laughs> All right. I want to thank our wonderful patrons who have donated at the level where we shout them out every single week. And as a bonus this week, they get to hear me read their names in a sick voice, which is worth more, I guess. So you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you to Brayden Keynes, Chris Hogan, Dennis Bogdanov, Ivo Robotnik, John Grant, Luis Santos, Luke Bayless, Matthew Wojtovich, Nick Cantart, Philip John Basile, The Agile Ventures Charity, Sean Sonic the Hedgehog, Sunny Tai, Sanley Tactical Radio, Stephen Armand Lee, Taurus Haruk, Ted Nugent, Maple Syrup, Vinlock, and Zach Granin. Thank you to all those folks. Thank you to everybody who has supported in the past. And a preemptive thank you to people who will support in the future. You will continue to help keep the show going. So thanks. You can go to our website, softskills.audio. Click support us on Patreon, and that'll take you to the the place to do that. And if you do it, you get to join our wonderful Slack. What is it called again? Slack. Cult. Pod. Slack pod. (laughs) Slack pod. (laughs) Our Slack flock. A flock of Slack. (laughs) Where fantastic people give good advice and are nice to each other. It's great. Hey, this episode is sponsored by Vettery. Vettery is an online marketplace where you can find employers who are interested in you. It's free for job seekers, and you'll be hearing more about them later. If you want to quit your job, <laughs> which we don't talk about quitting your job that much anymore. We should we should bring that back. Yeah, it's like a sine wave thing. Yeah, yeah we're in a trough right now, but if, you, if it's time to quit your job, then Vettery is the place to go. All right, Jameson, would you read our first question? Absolutely. This is from an anonymous listener. Hey, friends, thank you for such an entertaining show. I look forward to it every week. My question relates to leveling up as a developer. I've been getting nice feedback for my work on projects and the blog post updates I've been writing along the way. This has been noticed by colleagues, managers, and the local meetup organizing committees in my city. I have now been asked to speak at a number of events internally and in the community. While I am very flattered they enjoy my writing, I am not interested in hitting the local speaking circuit and would prefer to focus on building, writing, and mentoring without getting up on stage. Is it okay to say no to speaking when it simply does not spin my wheels, or is this a mandatory thing I must do to progress my career? Mm. Huh. So you write these blog posts. You could just read those on stage. <laughs> Dramatic reading, maybe? You got built-in talks. Just, just print them out and read them. Yeah. That seems good. No slides needed. You could print them on little note cards so you look really professional. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of a piece of paper, anything that's on note cards, the same content versus on a piece of paper seems better. And then, you know, if you want to embellish a little, you can do like the talk show hosts do where they have a note card and then when they're done with it, they just kind of fling it off stage, you know, one card at a time. Maybe you'll print out your website and then you accidentally read like the Twitter embed codes or... copyright notices. (laughs) Yeah, the copyright notices, the cookie notification acceptance thing, all that stuff. (laughs) The belligerent popover. And in conclusion, this website uses cookies. Please hit accept to acknowledge. (laughs) 
That would be the best ending to a talk. Actually, that would be the best beginning to a talk. <laughs> yeah, you have to read the newsletter pop up because that's yeah. first on the on every website. Please yell your email address to me right now to subscribe to my newsletter. <laughs> I promise you won't get spammed. You'll only get fresh content from this blog. Oh, man. And it's impossible to dismiss without signing up. <laughs> without giving a valid you read, Yeah, you have to read all the dark patterns out loud. You have to say, except I want to broaden my perspective or no, I am a crude Philistine who loves to play in dirt and... <laughs> will have a shorter lifespan. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so true. just wait. We should make, we should have, oh, Jameson, April Fool's Day is coming what? up and I have some ideas for our website. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh man, okay. Whew. Now that we've got our web design plan set up for April, <laughs> let's get back to the question. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great that you've been writing. I feel like writing can scale. I mean, they're different mediums, so I guess they do different things, but... In general, I feel like the average blog post, well, I don't know. I'm spouting nonsense. I like it when people write, and I like reading blog posts more than I like watching talks. So writing can scale fairly well, and it's easy to share. I think you're doing something right there already. Yeah, like if you're uh, reviewing code for someone and you get to link your own blog post, that's pretty powerful. <laughs> I've heard of someone saying that. saying that because I <laughs> tweeted about how... It stokes my ego. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting moment in life. Yeah, so I think writing is great. And and I feel like I know a lot of people who write very well, and that's why I follow them. Although, they all give talks, too. <laughs> but I don't watch their talks as much as I read their stuff. Yeah, I, th I feel like watching a talk video requires a level of engagement that I just don't usually have to offer, you know? Yeah, I'll sit down to watch a talk. And the shattered remnants of my attention span will last about five minutes. And then I'm like, I wonder what's on any other thing in the world. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll tab over to some other site and, and be like, yeah, it's important that I read Reddit while I play this technical talk. In That's the right. That'll, that'll really help me capture the message. <laughs> I just don't have the attention span to watch technical talks. I'll put them on 2x and be like, okay, this is a more efficient use of my time. And then get to the end and realize I didn't understand anything. <laughs> But I got nothing out of it twice as fast. That's right. Well, you wasted half the time getting nothing out of it. <laughs> I think talks are good for like inspiration and kind of big picture things and pointing me to things that I didn't know existed. But I don't get a ton of value from like, here's this specific technical problem or, or things like that. Yeah. I recently heard a term that I think sums up what you just said very well. And I'm going to sound like kind of a jerk saying this, or not jerk, but self-inflating, but I've been listening to some MIT computer science lectures. And I know right off the bat that makes me sound like a turd, but this one professor said that speaking is good for exposing people to ideas. Writing is good for informing people about things. And so he called it expositional versus informational. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's like, I, that totally rang true with me because all the conference talks I've attended or wa or watched online I feel like they just dip their toes in the water of the topic. And then if I really want to go deep, that's where you have to read. So your blog posts are probably helping more to inform anyway. So they might have a deeper impact. So I run a couple conferences. I have a vested interest in this format continuing to exist. And I will say that I think talks communicate the feeling of an idea or the excitement behind it much better than a blog post. Like I never 
read a blog post and then I'm like so pumped to go try out a thing. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll kind of be stroking my chin and saying, huh, but great talks make me like excited and I'm like cheering and clapping and, and like just happy to be in the industry, mm-hmm. getting to be around people smart like this. So there's some amount of kind of community and, and, and emotional engagement that happens in talks. Hmm. Yeah, I feel that. that. I I think is hard to get across in the written word. And maybe you probably have to be a much better writer, kind of like the average talk compared to the average blog post. You'll get a, a much more emotion out of the average talk. Does that make sense? Well, I think it depends on how many animated GIFs the blog post has. Yeah. I mean, those have leaked into talks quite a bit. too. That's though. true. <laughs> they, they've kind of replaced jokes. It's like, here's a space <laughs> where a joke would go. Instead, look at this image. <laughs> Moving pictures. Yeah, like, see, I I copied that in, so I am funny. I know. <laughs> yeah, th- I'm not the biggest fan of that trend. I've Yeah, I've become less, less of a fan myself. They're kind of gimmicky. But we are drifting. The question is, will, <laughs> will this person's career benefit by giving talks or be harmed by not giving talks or neither? I don't think it'll be harmed. I think it could benefit. I know several examples of people who have given talks and it has kind of led to them having a higher profile in the industry. Mm-hmm. And in general, that gives you more options to, to get jobs and, and exposes you to more people and expands your network. But some of the best, most talented developers I know have never given a talk at a conference and never will and right. are very competent and capable. And have great careers and may never even attend a conference. Yeah. I mean, there's this whole separate track of, of like developer social stuff versus career stuff. And conference speaking absolutely catapults you forward or on the like developer social side. Okay. And that like sometimes correlates with career, but sometimes doesn't. If you want more Twitter followers, giving a talk <laughs> is great. That's true. That is, that actually is totally true. If you if you want to meet like developer famous people, giving a talk is great because yep. those people are all at conferences. Yep. And you might work with them someday. I've given yeah, I've given talks and then people have been like people have approached me about working with them or working at their company. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of amazed by that because you have no idea what like I don't know. You have no idea how much I practice for this. This is not like my natural state. This is this yeah. is polished Jameson. Right. And watch me struggle to like stack overflow something that's that's the real world <laughs> if i could practice stack overflowing something for 100 hours i'd be really good at that too but I, <laughs> i'm just thinking of you standing at a whiteboard in an interview after giving this great talk and they're like wow based on how good of a talk he gave i expected him to balance this binary tree much more efficiently yeah give me 100 hours practicing and thinking about it and then i will and i'll tell funny jokes while it happens and I'll put it in context of our, our industry and give historical anecdotes. Yep. And some great gifts. <laughs> yeah, I'll just draw them out frame by frame on the whiteboard. <laughs> wow, I've never seen such a hilarious binary tree being balanced. So my, my experience has been somewhat similar but different than yours. So I, I was going back and counting. I have given 12 talks at what I would consider major conferences that have beyond just a local audience. And I have also had a great career so far. There's still time for that to turn around. But I can't... <laughs> <laughs> of all the major career milestones in my in my professional life, where I've, you know, for example, changed jobs or upgraded or leveled up, I can't say that any of them had been directly influenced by giving a talk. I'm thinking through my career... I think the benefits I've gotten have been a larger network, but I don't think I have the job I have because someone saw my talk. 
Yeah. I think it made, it's made it easier in some ways to hire and easier to kind of like bounce ideas off of people. I don't think it's hurt, but yeah, I don't know. I think we're kind of landing on the same place where if you really don't want to do it, it's probably not going to be a huge yeah. barrier to you. Yeah. Also, what you mentioned 12 times. Mm-hmm. There are some people that speak like 20 times in a year at least. Like they're, I know. It's wild to me how how prolific some developers are in the speaking circuit. And I think that can kind of maybe anchor your expectations for what it's supposed to be like, where lots of those people, it's their job to do that. Right. Or like they're it, burning out. Those are the two <laughs> options. Either they're burning themselves out or they have a job where speaking is part of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like, for example, developer evangelists are often paid by their companies and incentivized to go to a certain number of conferences and speak per year as like a goal yeah. KPI or something. Yeah. A few, a few other categories of folks who do this are authors, people who write books and then go to conferences to talk about kind of like to sell books, basically. Right. You know, that's pretty yeah. common. People who are in the training industry like to do this. It's great marketing for their training business. And I've also noticed that a lot of founders will get on the conference and meet up circuit as a recruiting effort and kind of a, a hiring brand development, which I think is really effective for them. Yeah. But for like a, a line level software engineer who gives a few talks a year at meetups and maybe even at big conferences, I think it can benefit your career, but it I don't think it will hurt to not do it. So I think that's kind of where I was actually hoping we would disagree on this, but it sounds like we're landing. <laughs> I think we've landed at the same spot. Hmm. I think it, it's a positive thing, but it's not a blocker for your career to not speak. Yeah. Otherwise, there would be a lot of people with bad careers because I would say probably like 99% of developers don't speak at conferences and yeah, they're still fine. Yep. Cool. Well, did we answer the question? I'm trying to think. My My boss has never spoken at a conference. I'm pretty sure. I guess I could ask them. And I don't think any of my peer managers have spoken at conferences. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the people in my org haven't spoken at conferences. And there has nothing to do with how good of developers they are or how valued they are professionally. Well, I feel like I was going to I was gonna go the other direction. I feel like I was going to push for it more for your career benefit. It, it certainly can benefit. I guess that's that's the thing I keep coming back to. But it's not a requirement. Yeah. So it's it's neither necessary nor sufficient, <laughs> but but possible. Yeah. I mean, if you give a really bad talk, it could hurt your career probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I, I actually do know people whose careers have been harmed by bad talks where they, they say things they should not have said. Sure. Like offend, they get offensive or something. I guess that's the big one. Offend people. Say dumb yeah. things that, yeah, they shouldn't have said. Those are those are pretty rare too. Yep. So I think I actually think that people who speak a lot, especially some of these invitation only conferences, I think speaking at these conferences is more a reflection of a impactful, successful career. In other words, this you've got cause and effect reversed here, where they've had a great career, therefore they speak, not they spoke, therefore they get a good career. Huh. Not all the time, but some conferences are like that. Yeah, yeah, where they, they bring in big names, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. But if you're being invited to share your ideas with local meetups and conferences, this is a very good sign for your career. It means people trust you. It means you probably have good judgment and you've done good work and... People want you to have a bigger impact. If you say no, I don't think it'll hurt you. But this is great. Like you are on track for success. And this is fantastic. I got it. You need a very finicky, demanding writer. I will do it if (laughs) I am picked up by a hovercraft. And on that hovercraft, there are four different flavors of LaCroix all out of production. Yeah. (laughs) Go dig them up. And the projector, I don't know. The, the day quill is kicking in. Yeah, it, it only projects red. 
<laughs> and it's it's portrait mode, not landscape. <laughs> Look, yeah, just throw throw out these requirements, and if someone says yes, I mean that's fantastic. You could really have a lot of fun with that. I will only present in VR. <laughs> <laughs> All the audience members <laughs> have yep. to wear goggles. <laughs> I will be there in person, but if anyone takes the goggles off, I will leave immediately. <laughs> the talk is over. <laughs> you must provide the goggles. I love it. This is a great idea. Okay, now I feel like we've really answered the question. <laughs> hey, Jameson, before we go on to our next question, did you hear that one of our Slack community members just got a new dev job with a $50,000 raise? Yeah, that was wild. They used a service called Vettery. Vettery matches developers with employers based on what you want, like your location, salary requirements, and technologies you want to work with. Yeah, so I actually signed up myself, and within a week, they sent me a job opportunity. The hiring manager wrote me a very nice note, and the salary was actually amazing. I was pretty impressed. I don't know. I'm a pretty big fan of my current job search process, which is quitting my job and then asking <laughs> strangers on Twitter if they know anyone hiring for COBOL. <laughs> so, okay. So once you sign up for Vettery, you actually get a dedicated consultant assigned to help you tweak your profile and find the opportunities you're interested in. And the best part is you get those pesky salary requirements out of the way early in the process. No more going through the whole interview process, only to find out that your expectations are way off. Another thing I like is that there's no coding test to get started. And as much as I love balancing binary trees on a whiteboard under time pressure, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. <laughs> if you're thinking of taking the soft skills engineering advice of quitting your job, you should check out Vettery. Go to vettery.com slash soft skills to sign up. That's V-E-T-T-E-R-Y dot com slash soft skills. And if you use that link, you'll help support the show. And if you get a job through Vettery, you get 300 bucks. Thank you so much to Vettery for sponsoring the show. All right. Do you want to read our next question? Yes. This comes from an anonymous peregrine falcon. Did I say peregrine correctly? Peregrine? I don't know. I don't think I've ever said that word. An anonymous Peregrine Falcon says, I am a tech lead on a team where, for the most part, people are friendly, optimistic, and professional. There is one engineer who is mostly upbeat and has shown real potential. But in certain contexts, for example, retrospectives and the odd technical conversation, becomes a crippling black hole of negativity. The person in question is quite young relative to the rest of the team, has only ever worked at our company, they are well compensated and have great opportunities to work on exciting greenfield projects. Every developer's dream, right? What could I be missing? I don't want to lose this person, but I can't help but feel that they need to grow in maturity and somehow, despite pointed feedback, that's not happening here. What do you think I should do to stop the chronic pessimism, which I'm afraid, if not rectified soon, will lead to more victims? It's like a zombie outbreak. You got one <laughs> zombie... But soon you have more as zombies bite other people. Mm -hmm. Pessimism zombies. Yeah. They only eat positive, optimistic brains. Yeah, I guess. And then they turn cynical and jaded. That can kill a team. Yeah. This is strange, though, because it, like the stereotype of this is that you have the old curmudgeon on the team who was always complaining. Yeah. And here we have the young... The young curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit of a reversal. I mean, one thing you could try is just verbally complaining about how negative they are just fight fire with fire <laughs> i mean yeah make the black hole bigger <laughs> add more mass to it get into the orbit i don't know how astrophysics works is that what happens <laughs> yes i mean so you talk about how good the developer has it in my experience this is kind of like a back in my day you kids have it so good we didn't we had to flip our bits by hand all that kind of stuff that 
I have not seen that be effective in combating pessimism or negativity, mm -hmm. especially if it's around like the tech that they're working with right now. Saying it used to be worse right. can kind of invite a blow up where they're like, you're you're okay with the status quo and, and you're why it's so bad. And I don't know, just just create more frustration because you're not resolving their negative negativity and you're not resolving the thing that they're feeling negative about. You're just saying, suck it up. And it turns out people don't respond well to that. The thing that will say suck it up to this person is life. Like they'll go on to more jobs and they'll see worse things and better things and get more experience and then realize, oh, like it wasn't so bad at job one. Right. And then they'll they'll become more calm. But trying to push that through, I don't think will be very effective right now. So you're saying don't tell them to stop complaining. <laughs> no, I'm saying don't don't say like, oh, you should you should hear about, I don't know, soap or whatever whatever like thing that isn't in use anymore that was worse in your mind if you think this is bad let me tell you about mumps <laughs> sometimes smart young people feel like they need to prove themselves and they have this ego about how uh they know everything and they need to make sure everyone knows that they know everything and one way that manifests is in being critical and, and by criticizing what you see around you you're putting yourself above it basically you're saying like i know this is wrong and dumb I would never have done this or, or like I recognize this is bad, which means I am I am better than this. Hmm. Um, so there could be just some of that inherent in being a smart young person. I think what you can do to combat it is um, help them recognize the effect this might have on the team. Because presumably hmm. if they're upbeat and have shown real pot potential and is smart and friendly and optimistic in general, like they want to do a good job and they probably want the team to be doing good work. And if you can show them the way that you're expressing concerns is harming the team and is is causing these effects. If you can point to, if you can say like this person got sad the other day or like this project is late because of it or something like that, then I think that might wake them up a little bit to this being more than just you telling them to cheer up or you ignoring their valid concerns or something like that. That is That sounds very wise. It's the cold. It makes me sound even more wise. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get you some head colds more often. <laughs> I'm going to start sending you a letter every month. Just just go ahead and open it. <laughs> Take a deep whiff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you said really resonated with me because I was a young, sharp, critical engineer, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it was. And I think I was a lot less disciplined with my words back then. Like, I didn't stop I was to think yeah. about what impact they had on other people. And that is probably the thing that's going on here. I mean, setting aside some deeper issues that I think we can talk about in a few minutes, I it's very possible this person uh, sees problems and just immediately spouts off about them and doesn't realize that what they're doing is actually kind of toxic. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. When I was doing it, a lot of it was because I didn't have context around why it had gotten that way. And I also didn't have any understanding of cost where I thought that no one had noticed. And and <laughs> yeah. by my smart, good brain pointing out, hey, this thing is painful. Everyone would just be like, oh, you're right, Jameson. We had never realized it was, <laughs> this was bad. And let me type this one. Oh, it's fixed. All I had to do is type that. And we just didn't because we didn't point it out. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine? Oh, you're so smart. <laughs> How do we get along this long without you pointing out this was bad? But usually they're hard fixes. Yeah. And it takes a lot of effort to fix them. And um, 
by just complaining about them without helping fix them or providing solutions and helping weigh those against the cost of those solutions you're just like putting more negative pressure without without doing anything to improve the situation and like pain is a good is a valid signal that you shouldn't ignore but you have to have context around the pain i guess mm -hmm. one of the things that the question says is that they've given pointed feedback but the behavior continues and i i mean I think there's two possible explanations for this. Either one, the feedback was kind of harmful, like we were describing earlier, something that didn't resonate with the with the person. Or two, they heard the feedback, they understood it, it was good and well-delivered, but there's something deeper going on here. Like maybe this person has some kind of deeper-seated behavioral problem that actually needs to be treated, you know, or somehow managed by a professional. And I wouldn't rule that out. Like, I wouldn't start with that, but I wouldn't rule that out either. I feel like see a therapist is is kind of the new quit your job where yeah. we could answer a lot of questions by go to therapy, go to therapy, <laughs> go to therapy. Yeah. Go to therapy. Change is hard. And it's also possible that they heard the feedback and said, yeah, okay, I'll try. And then it's they've just been doing this for a while in their life and and. Yeah, it's instinctual now. Yeah, giving feedback once doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be followed and received. So you might find yourself giving the same feedback repeatedly for, for a longer period of time. And I don't think that's bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's bad of you. I don't know. I guess it depends on how long it goes on about what it says about this person. But yeah, you should probably expect to give the same feedback several times, especially for things like this that seem more kind of deep-seated, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Then, then specific skill gaps or things like that. Well, I got nothing. I got nothing else. What if just every time this person spouts negativity in a meeting, you just like bubble with positive comments? Just <laughs> fight it. <laughs> you know, I really appreciate that our test suite is flaky because it helps me appreciate that nothing in life is really certain. And <laughs> I got to take take time to acknowledge the good times while they happen because they could go away at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, flaky tests. <laughs> And the, a bonus, I get so much time to think about them because it takes 40 minutes to run. That's, that's 40 minutes of meditation time every day, several times a day. <laughs> Just got to look on the bright side of the flaky slow test suite. So earlier I suggested fighting fire with fire. This is fighting fire with water. Yeah. And that works better in real life. <laughs> All right. Well, have we answered the question? I think we have. Good luck, listener. Good luck, anonymous peregrine falcon. Oh, yes. I looked up how to say peregrine and I already forgot. I think it was peregrine. Oh, let me look it up again. Peregrine pronunciation. Oh, how come it's gone? It worked last time. Oh, I was right. It is peregrine. Peregrine. Okay. Peregrine. Yeah. They I learned. Nice. What should people do if they want their own questions answered, Dave? Well, don't worry about pronouncing stuff and just go over to softskills.audio and click ask a question. You can fill out our little form there. Thank you so much to everyone who has asked questions in the past. We really appreciate it. And thank you to Vettery for sponsoring this episode. If you are planning to quit your job, go hit up vettery.com, fill out a profile, and wait for employment opportunities to roll in. Catch you next week.